Welcome everybody to yet another episode of the Nailed It Ortho podcast. My name is Dr. Cole. Myself and Dr. Fitz started this podcast to go over high-yield orthopedic surgery topics, but you're now tuning into our OITE review and we are still on some basic science. If you have not already, the OITE trauma podcast companion notes are out. So if you have not, click the link in the description so you can sign up to get on our email list so we can go ahead and email that to you or just send me an email at nailedortho at gmail.com. A lot of you all have emailed me already and I have replied. So, you know, we can do that too. But without further ado, let's go ahead and hop in into today's episode. And before I forget, please go and just take one second out and leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, however you listen to us. That really kind of helps us out a lot uh, if you can do that and share this with one person. So let's get into it. You are now listening to Nailed It, the orthopedic surgery podcast featuring Drs. Jay Fitz and Wendell Cole. Everybody, welcome yet another to another episode of the Nailed It Ortho podcast. You are uh, tuned into our OITE review featuring myself and Dr. Woolwine here and we're going to do some more uh, some more basic science. At least this will be like, you know, kind of biomaterial stuff. And a lot, again, Spencer, I think a lot of this is just memorization, memorization, but, you know, we'll see what we can get through and hopefully make it a little bit um, less daunting. Yeah, the good part about this stuff is it's uh, it really hasn't changed uh, over the course of at least the last decade or so. And so yeah. it makes the the studying a little bit more routine. Whereas like when you're going through trauma, you're like, well, are they going to test on early appropriate care? Are they going to test on damage control orthopedics? Are they going to test like new implants or, or new stuff that's like coming out in terms of like poly trauma management, but at least with this stuff, it's more, along the lines of, hey, this is stuff we've known for years and years and years, and it hasn't changed. Uh, so had, getting to know it now and getting to know it early is much better for the long run. Yeah. And Spencer, I must say, I forgot to tell you, but we just, you know, we just started releasing basic science, like, you know, review stuff like within this past week. And surprisingly, it's gotten pretty much the same, even if not a little bit more uh, listens than our, like our, our some of our sports stuff. So I thought it would like, die down a little bit because it's basic science but uh, people are still tuning in so uh you know yeah. i guess we'll, we'll keep this thing going it's that stockholm syndrome you know <laughs> we captured them they can't leave gotcha <laughs> oh man uh all right well i'll start us off here so what uh first question is uh you know i guess it's straight basic uh what is force well, force can really be described as a push or pull on an object in a certain direction that causes uh, either external uh, effects or internal effects. And what I mean by external effects, it's uh, things like acceleration um, and velocity, and then internal effects are strain. And we're going to go over stress and strain later, so I'm not going to get too much into it, but just think that External stuff is like an object moving through space, whereas internal effects are what happens to the object when a force is placed on it. Um, and what are some different types of force? 
Yeah, broad umbrella. So you have linear and then you have rotational forces. I'm sure there's some other forces if you take some physics class and you're, you know, you get really deep into it. But for the basis of this conversation, we have some linear forces and then we have rotational forces. So what are some of the different types of linear forces? Uh, the main one that comes to my mind uh, that I think of like a linear type forces is compressive force. So it's uh, like axial compression. So when we're walking, we place linear forces on our mechanical axis of our lower extremities. Um, and it's basically a force that squeezes something together uh, is a compressive force. Then you have things called a tensile force, which elongates a body. Uh, you have a force called a normal force, which is uh, perpendicular to the surface on which it acts. And then uh, tangential force is parallel to that surface, just like you're drawing a tangential line uh, on a arc um, is what that tangential force is. And then uh, what are some of the types of rotational forces? Yeah. So, you know, one is like torque. So, you know, you think of uh, this thing I think of like is uh, if you're repairing a car and you have like one of those big handles and, and you're, and you're turning, if you're, you know, you're uh, screwing or unscrewing or, rent or wrenching something. Uh, pretty, what, long story short, <laughs> torque is a, is a moment perpendicular to a long axis causing a rotation. So, you know, if you're taking the tires off a car, kind of that that force or that rotational force is torque. Um, a bending moment, so that's going to be a force that's going to be parallel to the long axis. So just think again, bending. Um, you have a moment, which is, which is just... Um, a rotational effect of a force and you have the mass moment of inertia which is kind of your resistance to rotation um and a lot of this is physics from back in the day um but you know these are all just kind of definitions that you need to know so torque is going to be a moment perpendicular to the long axis that causes rotation um bending is going to be forces that are going to be parallel to a long axis and the mass moment of inertia is going to be the uh, is that substance resistance to rotation. Now, you know, we talked about a little bit about force. We talked about some linear forces. We talked on the tensile, you know, tangential forces. We talked about some rotational forces. Uh, what is stress? Uh, stress can be kind of uh, defined as force over area. And basically it's the intensity of an internal force. And so like I uh, said before, there's that stress and strain curve. And so think of stress as a force over a unit area. And it's basically, uh, like I said, it's an intensity of an internal force. And then you have something called shear stress. What is that? So shear stress is this is when you have stress that's going to be parallel to the material surface. So instead of like perpendicular, right, a normal force is going to be perpendicular, but shear stress is like, you know, a classic thing in orthopedics, if you think of like those tibia plateau fractures that it's kind of sliding down or where that stress is going to be parallel to that surface. Um, so that's what that, that shear stress is. Now, what is, um, what is strain? Strain in, uh, this was something that just took me a while to uh, kind of conceptualize one, because I did not have any sort of scientific background going into med school or uh anything like that. And so uh, learning some of these physics concepts and all of that was uh, always a little bit more difficult for me. So 
strain is a change in length over the original length. And it's basically a relative measure of deformation from loading. Um, and it's when you look at that stress strain curve, and for those of you listening, Google it or look it up on orthobullets, you'll see it's a, it's a kind of a linear line that has a squiggly at the end. Um, and the linear line goes from uh, uh, kind of bottom left to top right with the squiggly at the end. And the squiggly at the end is where it fails. But uh, that stress strain is basically you're getting a change in length over the original length. And it gives you an idea of how much deformation that material is going to uh, undergo when it's being loaded from an external uh, force. And uh, like I was talking about with this stress strain curve, what's the difference between uh, elastic and plastic deformation? Yeah, so elastic deformation is some, this is kind of deformation that's temporary where, you know, if you have a thing about a rubber band, you stretch it and then you let go, it goes right back to its normal, um, its normal, uh, uh, you know, uh, like length, it's, it goes back to its resting length versus plastic uh, deformation that is permanent. So it's stretching something and then when you let go, it doesn't go back to its normal length. So um, again, elastic is gonna be something, it's just kind of temporary deformation and plastic is gonna be uh, permanent. And, um, and it, this is when a substance is not returned to its resting length after uh, being lengthened or shortened. Um, now, what is what is Hooke's law? I always hear about Hook and Wolf and all these all these different laws. But what is Hooke's law? Uh, that is uh, that linear part of the stress strain curve is Hooke's law, and it's uh, to a certain extent or to a certain limit, stress is directly proportional to strain. Uh, that's kind of the easiest way to think about it, and the easiest way to remember it is by looking at the linear portion of the uh, stress strain curve. Um, and then when, uh, like you had, you had briefly talked about uh, how a, a material is elastic, where it, when it deforms, it comes back to its original shape and then plastic, it deforms and stays that way. Um, what is the point called when a material changes from elastic into plastic? Yeah, so that is going to be the the yield point. So again, that's when you're when you're stretching something, and it normally comes straight back, straight back, and then you stretch it enough, and then it does not go back to its normal length. That point there is going to be the yield point. If you look at that, you know, kind of stress over strain curve, um, there'll be a lot of different dots, and that'll be that'll be one that you will uh, note and see, and that may be um, something again just to like look up in, in Google, and you'll see exactly what we're talking about. But speaking about uh, the stress over strain curve, what is Young's modulus? Um, probably the, because uh, it's called Young's modulus of elasticity is ah. the full name of it. And uh, that was always confusing to me because when I think about something, uh, when it has it in the name, like a Young's modulus of elasticity, if it's a higher number, it's probably more elastic and it can stretch more and all of that. But it's basically, it's a measure of material stiffness and it's defined as the 
stress over strain. So it's the, it's the slope of the linear portion of the stress strain curve is Young's modulus. So when you have a material that can withstand a lot of stress and does not have a lot of strain, that's defined as a very stiff material and it has a very high Young's modulus, whereas a material that has a very flat slope. Um, so even with just a little bit of stress, it undergoes a great amount of strain uh, that has a, yo a low Young's modulus of elasticity. Um, and I, I, it takes a while to kind of conceptualize all this stuff, but um, it, it starts to make sense once you put this stuff into practice. And I'll try and, as we go through all these talks, I'll try and give examples as to things that have a high Young's modulus of elasticity and low, and then you'll start to understand, oh, okay, the, I, I understand what high and low is now based on the implants that we're using and stuff like that. So um, uh, like we just talked about with this slope being the Young's modulus of elasticity, um, what is that linear portion of the stress strain curve uh, telling us about a material? Like what is that material experiencing in that first part? Yeah, so in that first part, <clears throat> just like you just mentioned, where the slope can be very different, the slope can be very high, so it can be pretty low. Um, but in that first part, in that linear part of the graph, the uh, the material is experiencing elastic deformation. Again, just think of a rubber band. You know, you're applying um, uh, a certain stress, and, and this is kind of the area where it can still and it goes right back to its normal length once that stress is not applied anymore. So again, this is all elastic deformation in that first part of the uh, of that of that graph, the Young's modulus graph or the stress over strain graph. And uh, we will hammer many of these things in and repeat them many times just so you all understand it. But what does the slope in a stress versus strain graph equate to? Well, that is the Young's modulus when I uh, just went over. And <laughs> Uh, but no, it's good because I, I seriously, I was the one who I would do a question on Young's modulus of elasticity. I would get it wrong. I'd read the answer like explanation and I'd say myself, you know, I got this. And then the next yeah. day I would do a question again on Young's modulus and I get it wrong again because I was just yep. like, wait, I am so confused. So um, again, um, that stress over strain, the higher the slope, the more stiff the material. And when I'm talking about uh, that sort of material, um, the pretty much the uh, stiffest material that's used is ceramic. And uh, the ceramic is those pretty pink uh, femoral head balls that we use on uh, total joints. And uh, it's a very hard, stiff material, whereas things like uh, cancellous bone, tendons and ligaments and cartilage are more on the low Young's modulus of elasticity, meaning they, they undergo a, a large amount of strain. And strain, once again, is that change in uh, shape compared to the original shape with a very low amount of stress. And so they're very soft and malleable materials. 
but again, it's just it's just something you're going to have to look over and hear over and over again before it it starts to really make a, a ton of sense. Yeah. Um. But uh, so, what type of deformation? Uh, we we talked about the linear part, and so what type of deformation is seen in the nonlinear portion of the stress strain curve? Yeah, so this is going to be that plastic deformation where the material doesn't go back to its normal size. So again, that first part that we're talking about is going to be elastic deformation where you're applying um, you're applying a stress, you're applying a stress, and and you release that stress and it goes right back to the normal um, to its normal length. And then once you've hit that point where you apply the stress and it does not go back to its normal length, that's the yield point. And then anything after that, as you can imagine, you've already hit that yield point. It's just going to deform plastically, meaning, uh, I don't know if deform plastically is a word. It's going to have plastic deformation. Uh, so whatever stress that you place on it, that material will not does not go back to its normal size. So that's what's going to be seen in that non-linear part. And, uh, you know, for different materials, the this part of the curve can be a lot different. Um, it all kind of depends on that material's properties. So we've covered, you know, elastic plastic deformation, the yield point. What is the ultimate strength of a material? The ultimate strength is defined as basically the uh, load to failure, but not um, not failure as we see it in terms of like the piece actually falling apart. That's a different part of the curve. It's really uh, a point in the in the curve that is the most. It's it's usually the highest point of the curve, and it's the most stress that a material can take before it fails, but not necessarily breaks into two separate pieces, like what we would think about as failing. Um, and uh, these definitions. Uh, it makes sense, especially if you're looking at a stress strain curve. And uh, I'm also somewhat cheating here and I'm pulling up a stress strain curve as, as I'm <laughs> talking, talking to you guys about it, because it is, uh, I mean, it's not a ton of fun to think about unless you're one of the budding orthopedic surgeon scientists out there who is trying to develop either a new bone graft material or plate alloy or something that's going to revolutionize orthopedics but for me it's just about kind of getting through this and moving on to the next thing that's more interesting oh, so, oh yeah i agree, uh, yeah, I agree. although i am fatigued right now uh, what, <laughs> Already. what is what is the biomaterial or the uh, material science definition of fatigue yeah so uh, this is when you have progressive and localized structural damage that occurs when the when a material is like cyclically loaded, you know. So again, you know, you continue to load and load and load a material, and then you start to have a little bit of structural damage, and it, it, this progresses uh, when the material is loaded more and more again cyclically. And on a curve or on the on that chart, this is going to be. Um, this is going to be kind of the failure of the material is going to be below the ultimate strength. So the fatigue of the material is going to be that area below the ultimate strength on the graph. Okay. It's kind of that fatigue failure. Um, uh, what is necking? 
Um, so necking is, uh, it's really, it's a type of plastic deformation that you get. Um, and I think it's really specifically with tensile forces. And as you uh, kind of cause a tensile force, um, think like, like a tube uh, or a wire, as you pull that further and further apart, you're going to actually see a reduction in the cross-sectional area of where that tensile stress is occurring. And that's the neck is where it, you have the fatter portion on one end, a thinner portion where the tensile stress happened and caused this plastic deformation. And then it gets fatter on the uh, other side. And that's kind of the, the neck uh, in uh, the definition here. And this is uh, one of the things that it, there's a large amount of local stress happening. However, overall, we see overall decreased stresses throughout and an overall weaker um, structure. And uh, what we see here is this is what basically happens um, after ultimate strength. And the ultimate strength, like I talked about before, is the most stress a material can take before breaking, where, um, like, think of it like if you're holding a, a cube of Play-Doh and you pull that Play-Doh apart, you're going to see that Play-Doh get narrower in the middle before it finally breaks into, and that's kind of what necking is. And then what's the breaking point? Yeah, so the breaking point is actual the actual failure of the material. So this is when you actually get a fracture, um, you know, or, or something breaks. And this is the actual end of the curve. So uh, contrary to popular belief, the ultimate strength is not the same um, point as the breaking point. Um, ultimate strength, again, is just the most stressed material can uh, take before breaking. Um, but again, this isn't when the material actually breaks. The breaking point is going to be um, that end part of that curve, uh, that's when you actually have failure of the material. Now, what is stiffness? We talked a little bit earlier about, you know, some slopes and things like that. But what is what is stiffness? Yeah, the stiffness is a resistance uh, to an external force causing a material to bend. And the measure of stiffness, like I talked about before, is Young's modulus of elasticity. And the higher slope, meaning um, the more stress a material can undergo without changing its length compared to the original length, is a more stiff material. And things like ceramic, uh, what else, titanium, and cortical bone, uh, or stainless steel, uh, also are all on kind of that upper half of the stiffness uh, graph or the Young's modulus measurement and things like uh, cancellous bone, tendons and ligaments and uh, hyaline cartilage or it really all types of cartilage are more on the lower half of the Young's modulus uh, measurement scale. Um, and then, uh, so we have stiffness but what is like a strength of a material yeah so the actual strength that's going to be the load required to break the material 
And um, this kind of depends on the amount of plastic deformation of that material. And, and this is kind of like, you know, similar to that ultimate tensile strength. So that, you know, is somewhat synonymous, but know that strength is going to be the load required to actually break the material. Now, what is ductility? And we have all these all these different definitions. And, uh, you know, if you are listening to this, if, if you Google and just pull up a stress versus strain curve um, and in some of these different terms, it'll make a lot more sense to you. But let's go. Let's just continue. What is ductility? Yeah, so a ductile material is a material that undergoes a large amount of plastic deformation before failure. And you can see this in metal mostly. Um, I tend to make things as uh, easy as possible for myself. And so I kind of go back to like the things I played with as a kid and like Play-Doh is a very ductile material because it can undergo a very large amount of plastic deformation before failure. And um, a way to kind of dumb this down even more is uh, when you have that stress strain curve, uh, something that is very ductile will actually have a very long curve. And what I mean by that is the point where a force initially acts on the material to the point where it actually breaks, it actually reaches its, reaches its true breaking point on the x-axis, this, the uh, line for that will be very long, whereas something that is more brittle will have a very short line. And uh, I, I get it, it's dumbed down quite a bit, but we are orthopedic surgeons and we have to make this as, <laughs> uh, as easy as possible for us so that we can go yes. and do the fun stuff we love in the OR. Um, Very true. So I, I, I briefly talked over this, but um, are can you have a very brittle ductile material <laughs> no you can you cannot that, that is actually those are two opposites right so if something is very brittle it's not very ductile right so very brittle something as brittle as you think of glass right so you know it has a um it's, it's pretty stiff depending on the glass but it does not undergo much plastic deformation again depending on what glass it is but very little bit of plastic deformation is not very ductile versus play-doh which is very ductile um so in brittle materials there's a small difference between the yield point and the fracture point which if you think about it would make sense because there's just not that much plastic deformation in um in glass or in ceramics now what is have you ever tried to plastically deform like a piece of chalk and yeah. that like you, <laughs> you can't do that you no matter how slow you bend it and how much you try and bend a piece of chalk eventually it's just going to have a transverse break right across and that's that's that brittle material that we're talking about yeah that's actually a great analogy right there i never thought of that analogy but that is an excellent analogy i'm sure people will definitely get it from that uh, i love that um but continuing on what is toughness and i always used to get toughness toughness and strength um confused because they would show like a chart and show you like an area and be like oh is this the toughness or the strength and it would never be like super straightforward but you know after this hopefully it's more straightforward but what is a material's toughness yeah i mean similar to you it was 
I mean, you would have a question of a stress strain curve and it would say like X is pointing to the toughness, the strength, the Young's modulus, the stiffness. And I was just like, dude, I have no clue. But with time, you get it. May not be on the, the first go around, but but bear with it and, and uh, just be deliberate with your studying. And um, toughness is different than strength. And toughness is defined as basically an ability of a material to absorb energy. And it's the area under the stress strain curve. Whereas strength, like we said before, is the load required to break the material. Uh, Toughness is the ability of that material to absorb energy. Um, And uh, kind of going into more of the uh, kind of internal characteristics of these materials. Um, what is a viscous type of material? Yeah, so you know, a viscous type of material is a material that's like sticky or like thick or adhesive. You know, the thing that I always like to think of is like syrup or like honey. Those are pretty sticky or you know adhesive materials um, compared to like water, for example. So when you think about a viscous material, you just think about a material where there's a lot of internal friction between the molecules and, and the friction, um, the friction helps and it's kind of due to the sliding. So if you think there's a lot of friction between those molecules, it tends to move a little bit slower and, you know, exactly like we're, uh, like I just mentioned, you know, liquids like honey are, are viscous materials um, in comparison to uh, materials like uh or things like water. And I think we mentioned a little bit about uh, viscosity in some of our previous um, talks when we, we know we talked about bone being a viscous material and uh, different, different things of that sort. But um, mm-hmm. continuing on, uh, what is an elastic material? The el- more elastic materials are uh, able to store and return energy. So like a rubber band <clears throat> is a very elastic material. Metal can be a very elastic material. Um, and it's basically just the ability for a, something to store energy as it's being stretched and release that energy when it's returned back to its original shape. And then uh, there's a kind of a combination type material uh, that is considered viscoelastic. What what is a viscoelastic? What or what's the definition of a viscoelastic material? Yeah, so viscoelastic materials. This is going to be a material that exhibits both fluid and solid properties. So, when you think of the fluid properties, there's going to be the viscous properties of that fluid. Like you know, the the the, uh, the property is going to be um, uh, a little bit sticky or more adhesive, and it's also going to have elastic properties, which is a solid property. Um, so that's going to be kind of when energy is 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 given into to uh, this material is going to be stored and then returned uh, right back to normal. So viscoelastic is kind of combining the fluid or the viscous properties and then along with the solid or the elastic properties. And that's just what the material has. Now, what are some properties or, uh, that are seen with viscoelastic materials? And I remember reading these or seeing questions on these and I was like, I just, like, these are just flying <laughs> straight over my head. 
But again, what are some properties seen with viscoelastic materials? Um, the the main thing I think about when I uh, I not that I think about viscoelastic materials. Kind of often, <laughs> Wake up in the morning when I when I do think about them um, is uh, it's really it's a kind of defined that the material will present itself or present the personalities of its uh, viscous versus elastic properties depending on the rate at which it is like the external force is applied and uh, so like a rubber band at a fast rate, when you pull the rubber band back and you shoot it, that's the elastic properties. And then uh, if it's more, if you act on that rubber band more slowly and you pull it over a long period of time, uh, that rubber band has the potential to essentially stay elongated and that's the viscous property. So if you, uh, have the force last over a long period of time, you are showing more of the viscous properties of the viscoelastic material, whereas something that happens very quickly, uh, it's more of the elastic properties of it. Um, but then you have uh, something called creep, and there will be questions on what is creep, or they'll give you this long stem about some sort of material that has undergone creep and it'll ask you to determine if it's creep versus load relaxation versus hysteresis and creep is defined as increased load deformation with time under a constant load and so uh, like if you are constantly pushing on uh, I don't know like a plate bender uh, in the OR and you stay there for a really long time, but you keep the load constant, eventually that material is going to give way and start to bend more and more despite you only giving a constant load rather than an increased load. Uh, load relaxation is another uh, component of viscoelastic materials. And that's uh, basically load relaxation is a uh, decrease in applied stress under conditions of constant strain. And so uh, if uh, the material reaches a certain point on the curve and you are applying a constant strain and the definition of strain, if we go back to that is a change in length compared to the original length. So we keep the strain rate constant you actually will use less force to cause that same strain rate. And then finally, hysteresis is uh, an, one of the more confusing, at least to me, characteristics oh, of visco super confusing. <laughs> uh, characteristics of viscoelastic materials where um, the loading curve does not follow the unloading curve. So, um, Basically, the the curve you see, the stress strain curve that you see with uh, a certain material as you load it, as once that load comes off, it that material doesn't just kind of rewind on that same stress strain curve. It actually creates a new stress strain curve to get back to its original uh, shape and 
Uh, I am definitely not the one who is going to explain this the best to people. <laughs> and I apologize for that. Yeah. Um, my default is to resort back to an ortho bullets or a Miller's or just Googling hysteresis. And, and I'm a very visual learner. And so by looking at a graph, you'll, you'll start to see uh, the, the loading curve is actually truly different than the unloading curve, but they're still able to go back to that same original shape. So uh, those are too long to re-go over. So I'm going to rely on everybody listening to hit that kind of rewind button if you want to hear those components of a viscoelastic uh, material all, all over again. And, and hopefully I helped at least one person out. At <laughs> uh, least <laughs> one. But, Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of the Nailed It Ortho Podcast. Actually, thank you for listening to yet another episode of the Nailed It Ortho Podcast. Some more basic science. Hit that subscribe button. And tell one person about this podcast. That would really help us spread the word out. That's really what we're trying to do right now. Just help us spread the word out. And uh, until next time.